0: encountering a phony. You know what I'm talking about? You know, people who put on a mask and then just like, you know instantly they're not the person that they're putting on right now. There's something about it. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter six. That's where we're going to be today. We're going to start in verse five. Uh, We're working through the teaching of Jesus because in this section especially, he's helping us talk about, you know, what does it look like to put on a mask? And then how do we take it off? Because God doesn't want you to live with a mask. He wants you to be the same person you are on the front that you are inside of your heart. So what does it look like for you to be genuine? Now, we've all encountered masks, right? Jesus is talking particularly about religious stuff, but we've all seen it. You know, it's that guy in the workplace who just puts on this air like, you know, he's all that and a bag of chips. He knows it all just to be able to impress the boss, you know, or climb that corporate ladder. It's that guy or the guy at the party, you know, who wants to just present himself in the best possible light. So he gets all the friendships and all that. And I'll never forget when I went to one of the Chamber of Commerce events here in Nashville. And this is nothing against the Chamber of Commerce. Love what they do. But when you walk around that room, man, everyone's kind of strutting their stuff. You know, they're all kind of pretending like they got it all together because, man, I'm going to make this connection and that connection, and that connection, and, you know, just any way that I can try to get myself a little bit further down. Now, maybe I didn't like it because when people met me and they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. They're like, okay, let's go talk to this guy. You know, like, that's just how it goes, it goes off when, when you're a pastor. Uh, but look, we don't like, we don't like phonies. We don't like masks. And I don't know about you, but maybe one of the, the creepiest places to encounter a mask is in church. It happens all the time, doesn't it? I was uh, interacting with a friend of mine who's not a church guy, not a religious guy here in Nashua this week. And, uh, you know, he just opened up to me a little bit about his story. He said, you know, I'd... Uh, I grew up going to church just two times a year. I went to a Catholic church, and, uh, you know, when I was there, it just seemed completely disconnected from my life. You know, when I I looked at the the priest that was up there, he was wearing a different kind of robe. He was saying things in ways that I had never heard before. He was using language that didn't connect with me. And, you know, I'm like, he just seemed untouchable. That's what he said. Like, I just couldn't enter into that. I'm like, dude's just as human as you are. There's some sort of a front that goes up in church. I don't know what it is, but there's something inside of every one of us in this room, if you've grown up religious, where we're tempted to put on a front, like, man, I just got it all together. You know, maybe you interacted with someone today and you're like, how you doing? And they just said, yeah, great. And then you just move on, right? It's more like a greeting rather than an actual real question. So here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to look today at like, what does it look like for us to take that mask off, particularly inside of a community of faith like this. How do we take that off? And we're going to talk about prayer because prayer is one of those areas that sometimes we can just fool people. So Jesus begins it this way in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And he says, And when you pray, let me just stop there for a second because there's some people in this room, maybe, maybe you didn't grow up religious. Maybe faith wasn't a thing for you growing up and you're like, I, What do you mean when I pray? You know, I, I don't pray. Prayer's not a huge part of my life. You know, and there's probably a number of people that you know that aren't religious and maybe prayer is not a big part of their life, but this is what I found out this week. You ready for this? Most people do pray. And maybe in this room, you don't think you do, but maybe you do. I found out that uh, the BBC back in 2004 actually did a massive study on religious beliefs and worldviews all over the world and, and found out that even 30% of atheists admitted that they pray. People who say they don't believe in God, and 17% of those uh, who, who said, uh, of, of all atheists, non-believers, 17% say that they pray regularly. Like, I mean, talk about disingenuous. Like, they're praying to something they don't believe in, and yet they're doing it. Uh, I mean, I, I talked to a number of people even just this past week who said that, you know, when they were atheists, One guy who currently considers himself an atheist for Jesus is fascinating. I don't really understand that category. But uh, a number of these people have admitted to me, yeah, I prayed when I was an atheist. I do pray as an atheist. But he usually starts off something like this. God, if you're there, and then fill in the blank. There's something on the inside of us that longs for something outside of us. There's something on the inside that when when we're bogged down by life and circumstances and job and the busyness of it all, like there's something that just cries out for something transcendent, something other. Renowned uh, atheist Richard Dawkins, if you guys are familiar with him, even he had a moment where (laughs) he would never have said it, but he, he had a moment where he was reaching out to God as well. And this is how it went. You ready? Uh, it's fascinating. He was interacting with this vicar in England, uh, and he was trying to prove to this vicar in England, of a you know, particular church in England, that even people who identify as Christian really aren't. They don't believe it. It's all a whole bunch of garbage. And he, one of his arguments was people who identify as Christian, they don't even know the names of the books of the Bible, so how can they be Christian? And so the vicar looked at him and said, okay, well, why don't you do this? You know, one of the books that you believe in, um, The Origin of Species, Charles Darwin, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me the title of that book? And he said, you know, can you do it? Richard Dawkins says, yeah, I can do that. He goes, go ahead, prove it. Because he knew that the, the title is a pretty long title. There's a whole bunch of subtitle to it. So Dawkins says, on the origin of species, uh, you know, uh, and he starts laughing to himself. And in the middle of it, he catches, he goes, uh, oh, oh, God. And the vicar in that moment is like, wait a second. Look you know that as long as there are math tests in schools, there's prayer in school. You know what I'm saying? When you're in a tough moment, and in that moment for Richard Dawkins, like he had a tough moment, what did he do? Instinctively, he reached out to God. Didn't believe in God, but he instinctively went there. And that's where a lot of us have gone, no matter if you believe in God in this room or not. There's something on the inside of us that uh, theologian Karl Barth said is a, a God sickness. We long for God. And so... Whether you think you pray or not, you probably do. And even if you don't pray explicitly, a lot of us are seeking out for the transcendent in one way or another. Uh, have you heard those people who say that I'm, I'm spiritual but, you know, not religious? Uh, that's, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. And meditation is a big thing for a lot of these people. They love to meditate. Uh, what is meditation other than trying to escape our current life circumstances and seek out for something beyond us? That's what prayer is. Turning outside of ourselves for something, for relief, for meaning, for purpose, for order and beauty, peace in life. That's what they turn to for meditation. I mean, even medication or uh, alcohol or drugs. Like a lot of people can turn to these things because they're looking for something transcendent. So if that's what is driving us in the inside of who we are, then today what we're going to look at really is what is prayer? If this is a longing on the inside of every one of us, whether we consider ourselves religious or not, what is it? What is prayer? And then the second question we're going to ask is why? Why should we pray? Okay, you guys ready? Let's dive into what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Jesus said, And when you pray, because we all do, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, he's not talking about an earthly Father at this point. It's capital F. This is God, our Heavenly Father. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. All right, so what Jesus wants us to know from the very beginning here is that there's two different ways to pray one's legitimate, one's illegitimate. There's a way that we pray sometimes that is more coming across like a hypocrite, like disingenuous, someone who's actually trying to put up a front, and he uses the word hypocrite. We looked at it last week. The Greek word for hypocrite literally means play actor, someone who's speaking and acting as if they're somebody else. It's their job to deceive somebody. Some people, and maybe some of you in this room, like you walk in here and in a church, like your, your whole church thing is like, that's your job. To just deceive people like, this is what I do. I'm a religious person. I show up on Sundays and read my Bible. You know, like I'd, this is just what I do. And if we're not careful, what Jesus is saying is like, look, you, you examine your heart. Why are you doing this? Are you just putting up a false front that, that's not really real underneath the surface And so Jesus says, man, don't be like the hypocrites. One pastor put it this way. The hypocrite is the one who treats the world as a stage on which he plays a part. He lays aside his true identity and assumes a false one. He's no longer himself, but in disguise, impersonating somebody else. Don't do that. Don't do that in your faith life. And Jesus is saying it's easy to. And in this department of prayer, maybe especially. Now, this is what they did back in the first century. Jesus says, don't be like these hypocrites who love to pray standing in the streets and on uh, street corners and in the synagogues. So apparently in the first century, it wasn't uncommon for people to pray out loud in public. It's kind of a weird thing today, um, but that's what they did. They, they brought public prayer out into the streets. And then on, um, on their, their Saturdays, you know, it was kind of kind of our Sunday in their religious segment, they went to the synagogues, kind of like what we're doing right now. It was their religious gathering. They'd go to the synagogue and, and tradition, you know, they'd, they'd, have, they'd pull somebody. It was somebody's turn to get up in front of everybody and lead everybody in a corporate prayer. That's what they did. Now, Is Jesus saying that gathering together and praying together with other people out loud, is that the problem? No. In fact, he's going to go on and, and tell us about the Lord's Prayer, which begins our Father, assuming an audience together, that we're doing this together... And and the first century, when when Jesus died and rose again, and he left his church to then start the movement, uh, you found the people praying together out loud all the time. They met together constantly. They prayed every single day out loud together. So praying out loud is not the big deal. What is the big deal is what's going on inside the heart when you pray. That's the big deal. Jesus is saying, you got to watch what's going on on the inside of you because these people, what they do is they love to stand in front of everybody And say these prayers so that other people are paying attention to them. You guys ever notice that sometimes uh, when people pray, their voice changes? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like, they just be talking to you nice and normal. And then when they pray, like, their voice gets suddenly deeper, like... Heavenly Father, you know, and like, and they use weird words too. It's like, Heavenly Father, we beseech thee on behalf of, you know, my friends and, you know, take care of our enemies, you know, like all sorts of weird things that you never say in your average normal moment. But like, you know, the voice changes, the words change, and you're kind of like, what happened to you, Shakespeare? Shakespeare. You know, can we just pause for a second? Now I don't know about you guys, but like, you know, we get weird with our prayers. Um, even like around the meal times, there's some people that I know that like I'll be hanging out in public with them. And then all of a sudden when they set their tray down or, you know, wherever we're in public, like someone will just go, mm. like, did their computer just shut down? Like what just happened there? And then, mm, you know, it's like they just rebooted or something. And like, What happened? Anyway, we get really weird with prayer, and Jesus is saying, watch why you do this. Check your heart. Are you getting weird in your language and the way you do it because it's just what you do? And if prayer at this point is like a duty, it's become a mask. And Jesus is saying, you got to take that mask off. <laughs> Now you're going to be paying attention all week to other people who are praying out loud. It's like, you're getting weird with your language. Hey, call them out, man! Look, and and, and if you're if you're in this if you're, if you're here with us today and you're thinking, you know, like I'm not a religious person. I don't have a whole lot of religious circles. You know, I don't I don't try to draw a lot of attention to myself because of prayer. Uh, people draw attention to themselves when seeking the transcendent, even when they don't think it's prayer, don't they? You know what I'm talking about? Those people on Facebook that post things like, mmm, just had me a good energy smoothie. You know, hashtag good vibes. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You get those people? Uh, I was like, you know, just got a total body massage. Oh, what a spiritual experience. Like, like, I don't know about you, but probably the only other spiritual experience that I have outside of God is probably Hayward's ice cream. Uh, that would probably be another spiritual experience. But outside of that, like not a whole lot, Okay. And I think people parade it out on Facebook because they want attention. Now, I'm telling you right now, like, just as your pastor, this is something that I have to fight every week. We're just talking about people getting up in front of the synagogue and leading people in corporate prayer. It's, it's what I do, you know? And so Jesus is, has been like shining this giant magnifying glass on my heart this week and being like, why do you do what you do, man? Like, do you preach to just get attention from other people? And do you pray, try to impress people with that? The moment you feel that from me, I'm telling you, you have permission to call me out. Because Jesus wants every one of us to take that mask off. All right. Now some of you are just like, "Ooh, here we go. I'm going to send him an email right now. It's going to be great. All right. Um, But look, we use God. This is what Jesus is driving at. When we pray to get attention in other people, like maybe for some of you, like when you meet in your groups during midweek and you pray out loud with them, like you're tempted to use that flowery language and to kind of come across as this great prayer. In that moment, when you're tempted by that, what you're doing is you're actually not really seeking God, you're seeking yourself. You're using God to get something out of other people so that you can feel better about yourself. And Jesus says, man, when you use God, God hates that. The other thing he says is when you approach prayer, don't babble on. This is what he says. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling on like pagans for they think that they're going to be heard for their many words. The word babble in in Greek there is actually kind of the word for stutter. It's to repeat something, you know, know, like you, you you say the same things over and over and over and over and over and over. We're really good at this in the religious world. We come up with these few religious words to say and we just assume that if we say them over and over and over and over and over, that it's gonna be good with God. And maybe if I repeat just the right religious words, maybe God's gonna give me what I really want. Look, in, in Judaism, there's a couple of prayers that uh, they're taught to pray on a daily basis multiple times a day. Back in the first century, they, they prayed three times a day and it's no different now. Uh, even today, they have something they call the Shema. Which comes from Deuteronomy 6.4 that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. It's supposed to be repeated morning and night. They also have a prayer that they call uh, Shemone Ezra, which is 18 prayers. That's what it's called. And it literally you say 18 prayers three times a day. Morning, afternoon, and night. It's the same thing over and over and over and over and over. And the, the impression, the assumption that, that we're supposed to get from this is that if we say those things, we're going to be good with God. Islam has the same thing. They've got something that they call the sujud, which is not only repeating the same thing over and over and over, but the posture that they assume is a crazy one. Like, you you guys got to just thank me for not having you do this, okay? Literally, forehead, nose, both hands, knees, and toes, all touching the ground at the same time. You no, know, like, good thing we're not in church just being like, you know, like, this is how we pray, you know? Like, nothing like that, okay? We're not getting really weird. Like, Jesus isn't—some <laughs> of you are like, that was way too much information. Okay. Um, look, some, some people, like, in the religious circles, sometimes these prayers are like, you're supposed to do them up to 30-something times a day. Okay? Jesus is saying, stop playing the mask. Because you're assuming that by some sort of words repeated over and over that you're going to somehow get favor from God. I'm telling you, that's just weird. Like if, if I came, if I'm downstairs waiting for my girls to wake up, and they come walking down the stairs and they just say, Oh, good daddy who gives us breakfast every day, we thank you so much. Oh, good daddy who gives us breakfast and lunch every day, thank you so much. And they repeat that over and over and over. Am I impressed? Am I closer with my kids? Look, guys, God's not impressed by that. We do this in Christian circles too, don't we? The rosary beads, the Hail Marys. You know, when you go to some churches, they have you stand up, sit down, kneel, pray, do all these things, and then repeat it over and over and over. It's on cycle. Jesus says, stop stuttering. Stop it. It's not making any difference. Now... Uh, I don't know if, if some of you went to bed going uh, you know saying this prayer at night like and if I should die before I wake I pray the Lord my soul to take you know it's kind of a creepy prayer but we'd say we teach our kids how to pray that uh, we do that and then we say grace before every meal anybody like a, a grace prayer before every meal I do it every meal uh, with my kids but I had to catch myself this week you know a lot of people didn't raise their hand because they're like what's he gonna say he's gonna call me out it's gonna be ugly I'm not gonna raise my hand nope nope um, look what Jesus is saying is careful. Don't just jump into it because you're supposed to do it. Think about it. I'll never forget this. Um, we would uh, visit my grandparents. Um, my, my parents are here today, They're, they know exactly the story I'm going to share. Uh, every single time we'd go visit my grandparents who did not know Jesus, they weren't people of faith. Um, they felt obligated sometimes to participate in this religious thing because we were religious people, okay? So we jump into the, prayer, or to the meal time and then you know my grandpa uh, would just assume this duty of prayer. He'd say the same prayer every single time, every single time. Be, Lord, bless us this food and us to thy service. Lord, bless us this food and us to thy service. It was from rote. We knew exactly what grandpa was gonna pray every single time. Didn't really mean it. But one moment, man, he became unmasked. Because he said this and it totally caught all of us off guard and we all just started laughing. He goes, bless us this food, Lord, and us to thy service, goodbye. <laughs> like he just hung up the phone, man. You know, and Grandpa, we're just like, ah, caught you, Grandpa, this isn't real. Why are you doing this? Unmasked. Look, some of us in this room, when we're, when we're even just sitting down before meals, we say it because we feel like if we don't say it, we're going to feel guilty. Now, I don't know about you guys, but like if you're approaching your family relationships that way and you have to say certain things in order to feel good with someone else, like you don't have a relationship. That's not a relationship. And sometimes we use prayer because we want to get from God what we really want. Jesus is saying, man, you got to unmask because it's not about performance. That's the big thing here, okay? Prayer is not about performance. Prayer's about a relationship. Prayer is not about performance, not about technique and how you do it, how often you do it and the certain words that you do. Jesus never said prayer was about performance and getting things from God. Prayer is about a relationship with God. But some of us in this room, like, maybe you pride yourself in in having a pretty good prayer life. like And you keep kind of a scorecard in your mind every, you know, you're thinking, man, like, I prayed for 15 minutes today. You know, check. And then the next day, like, man, I had 20 minutes of prayer with God. Check. Or, you know, I said this and this and this and check, check, check. This is crazy. God's not impressed. I read uh, a theologian who put it this way. Sometimes for, for us in this room, we're not tempted to pray out loud to get an audience with others. We're actually tempted to pray so that we can impress ourselves. He says, uh, there's some who are tempted to pray publicly, but even more pernicious is when I turn myself into a spectator for my own prayer performance, as if I'm given a show for my own benefit. Some of us in this room, we have to get a little unmasked in this moment, Okay. He says, I may enjoy just like a pleased spectator or I may catch myself praying and feel strange and ashamed. The publicity in the marketplace, just being outside and public with your prayer, uh, of forwards uh, only more naive form than the publicity which I'm providing myself when I pray just to myself. you got to ask yourself sometimes, how do I know that I'm praying with God and not just talking to myself? The publicity which I'm looking for is then provided by the fact that I'm the one who at the same time praises myself and looks on. I'm listening to my own prayer and thus answering my own prayer. You having a genuine conversation with God? Or is it just a one-way monologue most of the time? Look, I'm asking myself the same question, okay? We're all in the same boat here. So the question for us is, if that's our temptation, that when we approach prayer, it's either something out of duty, you know, that like I have to do this, or performance, i got to impress somebody or myself or God. How do we get out of that? Well, Jesus gives us the key here. He says there's greater treasure than we know in prayer. Because it's not about a performance, it's about a relationship. This is what he says. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. This is the true test of a relationship with God. How often do you get away just you and God? To just talk. I mean, for every marriage in the room, you understand that like it is easy to just become business partners, isn't it? When you got kids, you go from work to home, work to home, work to home. And it's just like, you know, I'm I'm putting kids to bed. And by the time they're all finally asleep, kind of half asleep because they're not really asleep, they're going to get out of the room about a thousand times. Like you're exhausted by the time you actually get some time with your spouse. Am I giving you a window into my life right now? All right. Uh, anyway, it is easy to be business partners with God. But when was the last time you actually had a date with God where you just sat down, you and him, that's it. Just shooting the breeze. Jesus saying this is the true test of a real relationship with God. Get away to a private room where no one's going to be listening. Get away in a private room where you're not even listening to yourself. Close the door and just talk. Just talk to God. The really cool thing about this too is he doesn't just say, and pray to your God who's distant and unremoved. He's saying, pray to your father. This is what he wants all of us to know about the dynamic of prayer. Prayer is to be seen as a child talking to a dad. That's how intimate and special this is supposed to be. Pray to your Father. Now, for some of us in this room, like we're tempted to see prayer as more of a duty and something where we're talking to a boss. You know, when you're talking to a boss and you're about to sit down, you set up a meeting with your boss, like you sit down and, and you're kind of nervous, you know? You're thinking about all the different things that you got to do to impress them. It's like, you know, when that performance review shows up, like you're kind of geared up. You're like a little bit nervous about it and you got to say, oh man, what do I got to do in order to impress the boss today? Some of us approach prayer that way. God's not your boss. He's a father. You're not supposed to approach God as if he's your boss. This is what the Apostle Paul actually said about those who place their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, you're children of God. This is in Romans 8, 14 through 16. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again, as if you're approaching some sort of a boss. He says, rather the spirit you receive brought you into adoption, to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's kids. You know, the word Abba back in in that time was actually a scandalous word. Basically meant daddy. It was in a term of endearment, of really close nearness and intimacy. First century Jews didn't know what to do with that because for them, God was something so untouchable that for them, they just had to, you know, he was so other and so holy that how in the world could we profane God by, by calling him daddy? And Jesus said, man, when I redeemed you, when I put my life on the line, when I died on that cross, I didn't die so that you could remain in fear and approach God as if he's some sort of a boss. I came so that I could have removed the slavery And so that you could be a friend, so that you could be closer than a friend. I want you to be a kid to God. Now, one of the most special things for me uh, during the week is is when I come home at the end of the day. You know, and I feel like as the kids get a little older, uh, you know, they're not doing this as much. But there was a season where every time I come home, first thing I open the door, I'd hear, Daddy! And these girls would just start running and they might have snot dripping all over their face and messy hands. But when they come and embrace me, man, I don't care about the mess that they're going to put on top of me. All that goop and yuck, all right? Maybe I care a little bit. But it's super cute, man. Like when they come in and they're just like, daddy, and they give me this big bear hug. Like all, like nothing else matters in the world in that moment. It's just me and that little kid. and it smiles on their face and smiles on my face. Did you know that's how God looks at you? Man, for some of you, maybe you've never heard that. Maybe you always thought God was just tapping his foot at you. Like he's just been waiting for you to shape up. What if he was waiting for you to just run to him and cry, daddy? Now, for some of us in this room, maybe you get distracted in prayer. (laughs) You know, you ever sat, like, this is your pastor admitting this, okay? You ever sat down in prayer, you just, like, you want to talk to God and just pray, and you're in the middle of something, and then you're just like, oh, I got to call that guy. You know, and you just start calling him right away, you know? And, like, you get distracted, sidetracked, and, like, you're off and running on something else. (laughs) Look, I've been there many times. Uh, uh, I took Joy, my my second daughter, out on a date uh, one time. And uh, I'm just telling you this because God doesn't care about your distraction. He just wants you to be with him. I took Joy out on a date one time. And uh, Joy, she was three years old. Uh, She didn't know what to do with herself. She was so excited. You know, we're heading over to Benson's Bakery, grabbing a couple of donuts. And we're sitting down after getting a couple of donuts. And she's like looking everywhere, like engaging anything but me. She's just like, you know, this little frenzy of activity, you know. And it's so cute, man. But like if I were to rate the level of conversation that we had, it'd probably be about a one or a two. It was pretty bad. But I'm sitting across the table from her just captured by her. Here's this precious little girl who is lit up with energy just to sit with me at a table. Did you know that God does most of the heavy lifting for you in prayer? What do I mean by that? Romans chapter 8 actually says that the Holy Spirit that comes and, and really like literally resides in those who have faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit himself intercedes for us, meaning that he's talking to God on our behalf. So when it comes to performance, he's looking more for the performance of his Holy Spirit, who happens to be another member of the, Holy, uh, the, the Trinity, who's been with God forever and ever and ever and knows the language of God better than we do. When, God's, when you come to God in prayer, he's not impressed by your words. He just wants you to be with him. He's carrying the bulk of the weight when it comes to that conversation. He just wants you to be with him and engage in that relationship with him. You can sit across the table. Yeah, God knows you're gonna get distracted. It's okay. He's okay with that. But have you made the time to just be with him? Again, guys, prayer is not a performance. It's about a relationship. Now, for some of us in this room, we're talking about father figures and fathers a kid. And for some of you, like, you never had a father figure. I know, because I've talked to you. You grew up and home was a mess. Dad abandoned you a long time ago. He never said he loved you. He never said he was proud of you. There's a whole bunch of us in this room that got daddy issues. I get that. Here's what you need to know. For everything that you're missing from your earthly father, it is met and then some in your heavenly father. For every moment that you felt wounded by your earthly father, God has healed you and then some. What he wants you to know is you don't measure him in light of what you got by an earthly dad, even though some of us got awesome ones. You measure your earthly dads based on who our heavenly father is. And he loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. That's our dad. You know what he did for you? When we were lost and abandoned, he adopted you. We got a family in this church who just went through adoption, and it's the most beautiful thing on planet Earth. Of literally stepping into a child's life who would have been in a horrible situation and bringing them into one of the most loving, caring environments you ever could. God did that for you. We're a part of the family of God. When you don't feel like you've ever belonged, He says you do belong. We're no longer prodigals, like as if your past was what defined you. Jesus says you're forgiven. You're not defined by your past anymore. We're we're no longer alienated and isolated. Jesus said, I've brought you near. He says, you have no need to fear anymore because when Jesus nailed all of our sin to the cross, he also nailed all our condemnation to the cross. You don't approach God in shame anymore or regret or feeling like you've done everything to just make God mad. You approach him in confidence and freedom It's amazing when we lean on our holy savior, Jesus, it says now we've got a high priest who doesn't sympathize as if he doesn't know what we've been through. No, Jesus went through everything that we have yet was without sin. And because of that, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. And in that kind of faith, we can approach him like a kid approaches their dad. I'm telling you, sometimes my kids get pretty bold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They step in at the end like, of the day and they're like, Daddy, why don't you go cook me up a hot dog? I'm like, you didn't say please or nothing. And they're like, just go do it, okay? You know? <laughs> like, I'm like, you got some guts, kid, because I could probably squash you right now. You want to go? But I would never do that. Why? Because I love them. God loves you the same way. And you can approach him with that same level of confidence. Now, some of us, we're not tempted by the whole duty thing. Like, we got to impress the boss. We, we approach it more of a transaction, you know. you ever been in a group setting and you just start talking about prayer requests right away? You know, and, and people just start lame, naming stuff like, uh, hey, can you pray for my aunt's neighbor's dog's uncle, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, and this guy's job that, you know, like, I don't really know, but I guess he needs a job. So, you know, can we just pray about these prayer requests? You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been there? Don't, like, in that moment, you're just like, no, I'm not going to pray for your karate tournament. Like, I don't care if you win or lose that thing. All right. I'm just like airing all my dirty laundry today. Sorry, guys. Uh, But, this is what we do. Sometimes I feel like in in prayer circles, like, you know, it's almost like they drive up to the drive-thru, and they're just barking orders back. All right, guys, what you want? Uh, I want, uh, like, one healed grandma, uh, one job for Jobless Pete, uh, one sunny day at the beach, hold the rain, and uh, one great boyfriend, and uh, could you just put, like, a great job on the side? You know what I'm saying? All right, no laughs, unbelievable, can't believe it. I put a lot of work into that one this week, okay? Um, Look, Paul, when he talked to the Ephesian church, he said, if I had one prayer for you, one prayer, this is my one prayer for you. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you may know him, that you may know him, that you'd have a relationship with the God of all the universe, when Jesus came, he didn't show us how to be awesome people. He showed us how to have a relationship with him. He paved the way he, when he paid for sin, it was because of a relationship. Not so that you could be perfect. Prayer's not about perfection. It's about a relationship. It's amazing. Theologian J.I. Packer put it this way. He said, knowing God is a matter of personal dealing. It's personal. Knowing God is more than about knowing about him. And I feel like some of us in this room, we're just content to know about God. We want information about God. We approach reading the scriptures as if we just got to cram some more information to our head. We don't got an information problem. It's a matter of dealing with him as he opens up to you and being dealt with by him. Friends, they open up their hearts to each other by what they say and they do. We must not lose sight of the fact that knowing God is an emotional relationship. It's emotional. As well as an intellectual and a volitional one and could not indeed be a deep relationship between persons if it was not so have you ever had a moment where you're praying and you're just crying cuz you're overcome by the beauty and the power and love of god if you haven't man i encourage you take an hour sometimes we got to press through the duty to the the, the delight part but like you're going to get you're going to reach that point where you understand joy cuz god is a deeply relational and personal god There's greater treasure in pursuing God. And the crazy thing is, sometimes when we approach God in this whole transactional thing, like we just got to give our list, our checklist to him, Jesus says, stop. Unmask from that. Because God knows what you need even before you ask him. He knows it. And he actually knows your needs better than you do. (laughs) I mean, uh, (laughs) I talked to this guy at Starbucks the other day who's like, you know, again, this is my my friend, uh, Atheist for Jesus. He goes, you know, uh, I, would, I would do pretty good if I won the lottery. You know, I, I pray, you know, I, sometimes I pray, God, why wouldn't you give me all those millions? Because then I would give it to all these worthy causes. You know, I'd make sure that he got his portion, but like, you know, I'd be the most worthy person to get that lottery ticket. Anyone ever prayed for a lottery ticket? Don't raise your hand. It's gross. Okay? Don't ever do that. <laughs> like how I lead you guys? That's so good. I'm such a good leader. Alright. Um, Sometimes our prayers are so selfish. God knows what you need before you do. Stop praying all about yourself and start engaging him in a relationship. Man, if I took Charity on on a date and I was just like, hey, Charity, this is what I want you to do for me. Uh, I'd really like you to clean the floor and scrub the kitchen and make meals a little bit hotter because they've been a little cold this week. And uh, if you could just make sure that I'm prepared before I get to work, that'd be awesome. Thank you. And then just hit the road. Don't we do that with God? God. We got to stop this, man. Unmask. Just be with him. Proverbs 16:2 says all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. He knows your heart. Take the mask off. And here's the crazy thing. When you start embracing God for God, and you just develop this relationship and you're talking with him all throughout the day, you start exploring and receiving treasures in God that maybe you'd never known before. I'll never forget the time that I was in India. And uh, I'll close with this. When I was in India, um, I was there about four years ago, and uh, I was a part of a network of churches that started with two people, husband and a wife. Back in the 60s, they had just come to Christ, and all they had a heart for was to see more people know Jesus. And just by faith and through prayer, they saw God do something crazy. No joke, from 1960 to now, it is now a network of 1,500 churches and hundreds of orphanages and hundreds of schools that have literally picked up people who were discarded and left by trash piles when they were babies and have now raised them up to be the next generation of leaders who are going to influence people for Jesus all across India. It's unbelievable. But they've got a habit every week. Every single Friday, all of the leaders, what they do is they fast and they pray meaning they go without food. And if you're an American, that is like the hardest thing in the whole world to do. They fast and they pray. They just spend time with God all day that Friday. I looked at one of the pastors at one point and I said, why do you do this? He looked at me like I had like 10 horns crawling out of my face. Like, he's like, what? He said, don't you understand? If we don't do this, if we don't seek God, he doesn't have that kind of power for us to see lives actually change and transform. And I'm telling you right now, we miss out on the grand adventure of what God wants to do in your life and through you into the life of this world who is desperate for him when we miss out on prayer. If you're like me, I'm tempted sometimes to just think prayer's not productive. It's the most productive thing that you can ever do. To just sit and spend time with our God who alone can change a human heart. And so man, if, if you're here today and... You're just not even sure about this whole faith thing. I want you to consider one thing. That there's a God out there in the universe who knows your name, knows your past, and wants a relationship with you anyway, right now. And for those of us in the room who've maybe been journeying with God for a little while, I want you to know that God is not expecting you to have a duty kind of relationship where you just check off the list and you've prayed. Or like you've given him your checklist and he's gonna now fulfill it like a gumball machine. He's a God who wants a relationship with you. And that nearness will give you more peace and meaning and purpose in your life than you ever dared imagine. Are you ready to embrace that relationship? And then is it possible that through prayer we might experience the miracles that other people around the world are seeing right here in Nashua? Is that possible? Jesus said we got to unmask first. And then as we seek him, he's going to do something crazy. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you just blow our minds with expectation. Because we approach you all wrong. I know I do. God, help us to see you for who you really are. God, not as distant and uncaring but as a daddy who just wants to go on a donut date with us. You don't care about our words. You just want to be with us. You want to change us from the inside out as you pour your love into us. Let's embrace you that way, Jesus. Help us to do that this week. In your name we pray, amen.